Hello, you're listening to a podcast from Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. Radio Maria is a 24-7 Catholic radio station broadcasting online via our app, Radio Maria Play, and on DAB in an increasing number of areas. You can follow us on social media. And if you enjoy this program, please do click like and subscribe to us on your podcast provider. Radio Maria relies entirely upon listener donations. We have no other sources of funding, so please do consider supporting us with a monthly or one-off donation so that we can continue to keep providing great programming free at the point of access. To donate or find out more, visit us at radiomariaengland.uk. to Radio Maria and this is Diving Deeper. Today on Ascension Day we have Father Colin Carr, OP Dominican priest here at Blackfriars in Cambridge. Hello Father Colin, how are you? I'm all the better for hearing you Lucia and um, uh, yes I had a good, um, a good Ascension Day and um, looking forward to chatting about what ascension might mean to to all of us, really. So um, that's great. And how are you? I'm all right. Thank you very much. I've just had, uh, <laughs> we had a prayer and intentions program just before. And oh, yes. um, fa- Father Andreas kindly noticed um, that I had a sore back. So he, um, him and another lady who called in Karen, who you know very well, Pray oh, for yes. my back. So I'm good. feeling good. Lovely. Praise God. Good. So shall I start talking straight away about... I would... It? I think that's lovely. Yes, please. Ascension lovely. Day. So Ascension Day. The, the pictures we have inevitably have, as it were, the feet of Jesus disappearing into a cloud, or, the, or most of Jesus has disappeared into a cloud and just the feet are left. And there's a thought of, of his going upwards... But clearly the ascension is not only to another place, it's to another kind of place as well. Um, you wouldn't, if you could get a very quick supersonic um, drone and, and follow Jesus, you wouldn't land up finding him because he's gone into that that place which is beyond place, which is the source of all place and time, uh, into what we call heaven. And uh, that's not a, a, a place where you can locate it on the map. It's something much more important, much more marvelous. And I want to th- say three things about the Ascension. And this is going back to my Baptist and evangelical days when you preached a a three-point sermon with all the points beginning with the same letter, uh, in my case with the same two letters. There's, first of all, I want to say that the ascension is an assertion. 
Of course, ascension itself begins with AS, but it's an assertion that Jesus is Lord, and I'll come back to that in a moment. Secondly, it's an assurance that the redemption worked by Jesus, the salvation worked by Jesus, is sure. It's worked. We are, we are saved by the death and resurrection of Jesus. And thirdly, it's, um, well, it is ascension, or let's call it aspiration. It's, a, it's about moving onwards. Where Christ the head has gone, the body will follow, as some of the prayers say in the Ascension Day liturgy. Um, so, first thing I'll talk about is that it's an assertion. Jesus is Lord. Now, in the Roman Empire, if you said Jesus is Lord, you were in danger of being considered subversive, because there was one Lord, and that was the Emperor. And you couldn't say anybody else was Lord, especially not a person from a carpenter's family in a subject people who were colonized by the Romans uh, sometime before he was born. And... Um, you know, an unimportant-seeming person. And the various Roman officials we meet in the Gospels and in the Acts of the Apostles, they uh, are really not interested in this uh, semi-Jewish kind of setup of Jesus. Well, who is Jesus? What is this all about? It was not of interest to us. And if you said Jesus is Lord, which Peter did to Cornelius the centurion, the Roman centurion, when he'd been sent for to preach to him, he said, Jesus is Lord of all. And that was a pretty daring thing to say. Fortunately, Cornelius listened to him and believed and received the Spirit. But Jesus is Lord. Jesus has triumphed. Jesus is the great one. I don't know um, how many people remember the, the immortal lines, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, I am the greatest, Muhammad Ali. Um, but Jesus is the greatest. Um, I had a great respect for Muhammad Ali. Is he? I'm not sure. Um, he, he suffered terribly from a degenerative disease later in his life. You felt, you know, real sorrow for him. But um, he was a great, great boxer and um, a great sportsman and a great character in many, many ways. So, you know, there are all sorts of people who could be our heroes, uh, either people who have imposed their rule on us um, or are trying to impose their rule, like um, a politician in Russia who is trying to impose his rule on Ukraine, um, or other people, and there were people who would, who would get into trouble if they did not say Heil Hitler in, at a certain time in our history, not all that long ago. And um, many people have made pretensions to being the greatest. But there are others that we, we treat as heroes, 
um, we think they are the greatest, marvelous people. I used to think particularly that Gandhi was a, was a great, great man. He's got into a bit of trouble recently because he said some rather rude things about black people in South Africa. Um, but in many ways, he was a great, great man. And I, I, was, I love India. I was born in India. And so Indian independence was a great uh, event for me. Um, and we used to recall it when I was a teacher in India later in, in my life. And there are all sorts of people we might say they are the greatest. Um, but some of them fall. I mean, many people thought that um, the Burmese leader, the, um, uh, the uh, Aung San Suu Kyi, was a great, great person. And then when she actually got into some degree of power, she seemed to disappoint people a bit by not standing up for the Rohingya people in the north of of Myanmar. Um, but the great people disappear. Jesus does not disappear. Jesus is the greatest, and he is the Lord of all. So we say, Jesus is Lord. That was probably the first Christian creed. Jesus is Lord. Simple, straightforward. Um, Jesus is the greatest. He is the greatest. And that's the assertion which we make on the Feast of the Ascension. He has triumphed. He is the greatest. He has triumphed not over any uh, rival. Uh, he has triumphed over death. He's triumphed over sin. He's triumphed over all the negativity in the world, and indeed beyond the world, and he is the greatest. So that's the first thing to say about the Ascension. It's the assertion that Jesus is Lord, and that's that, and you can't really argue it. Well, you can argue with it, but you'd be wrong. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, he said humbly, um, uh, but I'm, I'm boasting about Jesus, not about myself, not about, nor about my grasp of the truth even. I, for, for me, the truth has grasped me. Jesus is Lord. So, um, so we're going to hear a, some music now. So, uh, 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 is that, it's the hymn by Wesley, is it? Loves relieving yes, hail the, the day that sees him rise. So. Yes, Charles Wesley was a great, great hymn writer. He was one of the founders of Methodism, but actually, he and his brother were quite high church Anglicans. And some of his Eucharistic hymns are very, very orthodox as far as Roman Catholics are concerned. Um, obviously, Methodism is a sort of non conformist, very low church religion, if you like. But um, on the whole, there are Methodists who are much more into uh, being liturgical and, and what you might call high church. But um, Methodism in general is a non-conformist, low church religion. But the Wesleys were actually quite high church. And, um, and we, they've given us lots of hymns like Love Divine, All Loves Excelling and so forth and hail the day that sees him rise. That's what we're going to hear. Love's redeeming work is done. Fought the fight, the battle won. Lo, our sun's eclipse is o'er. Lo, he sets in blood no more. It's another hymn of Wesley's. But we're going to hear hail the day that sees him rise. Thank you very much, Father. Let's go. Let's go.
it was lovely. Thank you very much, Father Colin, for choosing that for right. our special feast day. Um, you're listening to Diving Deeper. Um, headphones on. He's putting his headphones on now. <laughs> I don't know if that'll improve <laughs> the communication at all or not, but um, there we are. I've got them on. Ah, um, you're looking cool. So, there you are. Oh, yes, I, good. Can, yeah, I can certainly hear you very well, uh, Lucia. Okay. So, um, so let's continue. Are we on? Are we? We are on and ready are to on. go. Hello, everybody, again. Um, so the first thing I wanted to say was that the ascension is an assertion. <laughs> oh, dear. All these words. But the second thing is that it's an assurance, an assurance that it has worked, that the work of Christ has triumphed, that he has done what he set out to do, what he was sent by the Father to do. Just as the assumption, another AS, the assumption of Our Lady is a sign that the redemption works, that it has actually triumphed in one um, ordinary human life. Um, it wasn't all that ordinary, Our Lady, but she was, uh, once in, in one important sense, an ordinary human being, uh, a woman who could have babies and had this very important baby. And so we say that the ascension, I say at least, that the ascension is an assurance that Christ has saved us. A lot of the hymns and the liturgy around Easter time and particularly Ascension uh, talk of Jesus winning a battle, not a, against anyone in particular, but just winning the battle is against sin and death, really. Um, it's not even against Satan, uh, particularly. Uh, that would make, be making Satan far too important if we said that Jesus had a fight with him. Um, but he... Um, he had an encounter with him and, and triumphed in the story of the temptations. But he has triumphed over sin and death. And he has won our salvation. His death is our salvation. There's a lovely bit in The Pilgrim's Progress, not very famous as a Catholic book, but it is a, a very great book that you find in English literature by um, a nonconformist Englishman called John Bunyan. And in it, Pilgrim is on his way to the promised land, uh, and he wants to uh, get rid of the burden, the burden of guilt which is on his back. And he comes face to face with the cross of on the cross and as he sees Christ on the cross dying for him the burden falls off his back and it rolls down a pathway and it disappears into a cave and then says Bunyan in his beautifully utterly simple but utterly powerful English language usage and I saw it no more I often say to people, you try writing a sentence as simple as that and as powerful as that. Because if you're trying to write a sentence, say, you know, please put your teacup cups on the, um, uh, on the, um, on the um, uh, draining board above the um, washing machine uh, before you put them in or something. Um, it's very often quite difficult just to write a simple sentence like that. But um, I saw it no more.
because Jesus has triumphed over our sins. Jesus has triumphed over not just our personal sins, but over sin in the world. There's a great deal of sin in the world in the sense of, we often talk now about structural sin, um, meaning that the fact that, that things are, are arranged wrongly, that the rich get richer and the poor get poorer, and that we obviously were behaving very badly towards the environment, and all sorts of things are going wrong, and we're making far too many weapons, we're building up our st stock of weapons, and you'll get a better job making weapons than you will caring for elderly people um, in terms of, of wages. Uh, but it's not really a better job. Uh, it's much better to care for elderly people. I say, speaking as an elderly person, <laughs> I think you should definitely give your attention to working for elderly people. But the the thing is that God has triumphed, Christ has triumphed over the sin of the world, my sin, but the sin of the world as well. So we can be assured that if we have put our trust in Jesus um, as the one who forgives our sins, and we do that every time we come to confession, we come trusting God. We don't have to go to confession to receive forgiveness, but I mean, it's, it's a lovely sacrament that is there and is available to strengthen us in our pilgrimage towards Christ, towards, with Christ, towards heaven. Um, and every time we are assured of his forgiveness, it's a genuine assurance. So when the priest says, I absolve you from your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, we can be sure that that's happening. Um, but we put our trust in Christ our Savior because he's triumphed, he's, he's won the victory. The resurrection is a proof in a way. The stone was rolled away not to let Jesus out. He didn't, didn't have to worry about a stone in the way of, of, uh, of the entry. He could go through the stone like, you know, like a knife goes through butter. But he, we had to show other people that he'd risen, so the stone had to be removed to let other people see. He's not here, he's not here, he's risen. So the resurrection is already the sign of the triumph, but the ascension is the kind of assurance that in heaven now, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are there on our side, rooting for us, as it were, working for us, making life good for us, because our sins are forgiven. So there's an assurance there. It doesn't depend on our good works. That's what St. Paul kept on banging on about in his letters, especially to the Galatians and to the Romans. It matters that we try and do good works and so forth, but we only do them properly, if you like, in response to um, the free gift of uh, forgiveness that we've received from Christ. We are saved by grace through faith, and we take that forgiveness from God's hand, and we are assured of his forgiveness because Christ has risen and ascended. He has been accepted by the Father like 
um, a sacrifice that's been accepted, and his sacrifice on Calvary is accepted by the Father, not just in the terms of the resurrection, but in terms of the ascension. Christ is received into heaven. He's uh, welcomed back, if you like, into heaven. Not that he ever left heaven, but he's received back uh, as the human and divine person who has triumphed over sin and death and all that is negative and all that is evil. So we can be assured. People often think, well, I hope, I hope I get to heaven. And certainly um, we mustn't confuse assurance with presumption as an old sort of Catholic notion that you mustn't be presumptuous about your salvation. And that's perfectly true. Uh, I don't mean it's that we, that we sort of doubt our salvation. It's just that we know that we are sinners and that we can fall away again. But we can be assured that Christ really has forgiven us, that the death he died was a death once for all to sin. The life he now lives is a life lived to God. And we we can believe and then, you know, sadly, some people can cease to believe and turn away from Christ. Um, there was quite a well-known sportsman who was famous for becoming a Christian at a time. And then later he seemed to um, fall away from that and say, oh, I don't really believe in all that sort of stuff now, but um, we won't name names. But the, 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 the assurance we can have is not a presumptuous assurance that, oh, I've got it, I don't have to worry anymore. We, we don't have to worry, but, but only because we have put our trust in Christ, the Savior. So we don't feel uh, it's, it's not up to our feelings. We, we don't depend on our feelings. We don't depend on our own good works, but our own good works can be a sign to us that God's given us the grace to imitate Christ, to be like Christ. And then in the end, as George MacDonald, the um, writer who greatly influenced C.S. Lewis, um, said, the death of Christ means not that we don't die, but that our death becomes like his. So we are so conformed to Christ that not only is our life lived in and with Christ and reflecting Christ, but our death too. I mean, especially, of course, the death of martyrs, but the daily death when we simply give ourselves to others, put ourselves second to others, care for others, and so forth. Um, the daily self-giving, self-sacrificing, uh, that is a death that imitates the death of Christ in the sense that it's life-giving to others. Obviously, Christ doesn't need us to die as well so that sins can be forgiven. So, because uh, he's done that, and it would be presumptuous of us to say, oh, well, Christ hasn't quite done enough. I better go do a bit more. Although Paul does say something rather strange in his letter to the Colossians, where um, Paul says, in, in my body, I uh, suffer and make up for what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ.
And that's puzzled people a great deal. But I think what it means is that we suffer with Christ and in our present world, we are bringing his salvation to the world through our imitation of his death. But in the end, it's his death which is saving people. It's not our death which is saving anybody, even ourselves. But we are assured of salvation because Jesus has said so. Basically, he said so. You, and, and the favorite verse of many, many people is chapter, six, chapter 3 of John's Gospel, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that anyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. And we have eternal life. We've been given it by the life, death, and resurrection and ascension of Christ and the coming of the Spirit at Pentecost. And that's another topic which is coming up very soon, of course. Uh, Thursday of week six of Easter is ascension, and Sunday after week seven of Easter is the uh, Pentecost, is the coming of the Spirit. So all these things gel together in one great triumphant event of Christ's um, Passover, Christ's bringing us out of the slavery, like the, the Israelites were brought out of slavery in Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, a sort of baptism, and entered slowly and uh, rather complainingly <laughs> into the promised land uh, after many adventures. Um, it certainly wasn't for, for um, as a reward for their trying hard and always being good about it, but God brought them out because that was what God intended. And God intends to save us, save us, save us. Um, so we have a God who is utterly on our side and the ascension is the assurance that that is the case. So I think we can um, pause again after that. Can we, um, Lucia? And yeah. what's our next piece of music? Well, how about Handel's Messiah? Oh, have you found it? I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're a genius. You're a genius. Well, I only, I only gave you a warning about five minutes ago. <laughs> I know, I know. But, you know, it's the magic of technology. So um, apparently, it's got in brackets next to this version, fantastic performance. So let's hope so. <laughs> probably, Here we go. I'm sure it is. Other... listening to Diving Deeper. Father Colin is with us talking about the Feast of the Ascension. It's been an education so far. So Father Colin, we would love you to speak a bit more for us. Lovely. That, I mean, that music, that um, music we heard, we didn't hear words, but the part of, the, of Handel's Messiah, both you and I, because I, I, you can see me and I can see you on the screen, and we were both sort of waving our arms about and so forth at the 
at that music because it's so joyful. It's so uh, triumphant, that music. And that's precisely what the Ascension is about. And so uh, let me just digress slightly and say that one of my favorite YouTube pictures or, or films was of a flash mob um, in an, an American eatery in some, you know, some, some um, uh, I don't know, um, retail park or something. Um, everybody was, was having their coffee and tea and their lunch and so forth. And suddenly a woman with a, a, a mobile phone to her, um, uh, to her ear sang, Hallelujah! And oh, she sang it better than that. And um, and then gradually, all the people who were in the their choir—I suspect it was a church choir—and they started getting, and they all started singing the Alleluia chorus. And they had the, the music, recorded music, uh, to accompany it behind them. And so you saw this—you know—these ordinary-looking people suddenly getting up from their coffee and singing, and He shall reign forever and ever. You know, and and. And the people around were absolutely flabbergasted. And, and at the end, they um, they cheered and clapped because it was sung very well. It was obviously a very, very good um, church choir, but done in this extraordinary non-concert type way, um, a flash mob in uh, an eatery in, in a downtown kind of um, uh, shopping center, shopping mall or something like that. And and that was ideal. That was the, the the triumph of the resurrection and the ascension was coming through to people in their ordinary life in their ordinary uh, situations. So uh, people suddenly realised then that there's more to life than we are inclined to think, and that's why my third AS about the ascension. It's an assertion that Jesus is Lord. It's an assurance that we are truly saved, truly made new. And it's an aspiration. It is itself an, an ascension for us, a moving onwards, uh, upwards, inwards, outwards, forwards. We, we're moving. We are invited to move. And it's again on the the broad scale, on, on not just on the private personal scale, although that's very important too. It's an, an assurance that the the world, for all that's wrong in it, all that is militating against God, against goodness, against peace, against um, environmental responsibility and all the things that are going wrong are not the last word that in fact we aren't stuck like the slaves in Egypt the children of Israel were stuck in slavery until Moses came along with God's message and God's mission to bring them out and the ascension has brought us out of the situations in which we can be stuck and it's very important that for both politically as well as in personal life, that we don't have to believe in a world where the rich get richer and the poor get poorer and the environment gets trashed and um, power always goes to the most ruthless and so on. We 
can believe in a world that is better and other and where small people can be um, given their chance too, where everybody is important, where cruelty is overcome, where love and kindness triumph. And it's something that we, we don't have to feel stuck. We, we aren't stuck because the ascension is Christ moving up into what I said was not, not a, a geographical place which NASA or some such uh, organization could trace. Uh, they, they haven't got a hope of tracing heaven. They've traced all sorts of exciting and, and massive um, events. There's, there's a huge, great explosion that they've seen recently going on. Um, which uh, you know probably actually happened billions of years ago, but uh, we're seeing it now. And the, the, the Jesus isn't there; he's not uh, somewhere there. But he's everywhere, so he is there too. But he's not to be pinned down to be located. And we don't have to be pinned down; we can move forward. And I think many of us feel, oh dear, oh dear, I, my same old sins, my same old failures, my bad temper, whatever it is, my nasty remarks that I make to people, impurity, whatever it is, we, we feel, oh, I'll never change. But the ascension um, reminds us that we have aspiration. We don't have to be stuck. We can aspire to and move forward to a new life, a, 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 a Christ-like life, a Christ-filled life, a Spirit-filled life. So the Ascension is the great preparation for the coming of the Spirit, for Pentecost, um, because we can move forward. We're not stuck. We're not left in limbo we move, we go forward, we don't have to believe that the sum total of life is uh, the way economics works at the moment, the way uh, a particular undesirable government, I mean, I'm not referring to any particular government, of course, but um, uh, any undesirable government, um, it doesn't always have to be there, because fortunately, in some countries, at least, we're allowed to choose our government from time to time. Um, I think it was Rousseau who said, the English think they're free, but they're only free once every five years when they choose their members of parliament. Um, well, it's, maybe, yes, it's limited freedom, but we do have a freedom to choose, and we can make our feelings known. Um, and the great thing is we're not stuck. Now, there are other countries where you, even people are stuck, where politically they look very stuck. And that's where people, say, in a military dictatorship, where people have to um, show that they don't believe that the military dictatorship is the last word, that, in fact, things can change. Margaret Mead, the great sociologist, uh, anthropologist, really, she said, never doubt that a few dedicated people can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that does change the world. 
and a few dedicated people, hopelessly outnumbered, no power to speak of, no uh, weapons, can change the world, transform the world radically. That's what the Christian church is. It is the disciples of Jesus changing the world. And so the early Christians who were told not to stand there looking up into the sky because Jesus had disappeared. He wasn't there. They wouldn't see him. They wouldn't, you know, if they had the best telescope in the world. Um, the, the, the web, the web's the latest one, isn't it? And, you know, sent it out on, a, um, on an incredibly powerful rocket or, or something and get into a brilliant orbit somewhere or other. The, the web telescope won't find Jesus any better than, um, you know, my magnifying glass because it's not there in that sense. He's everywhere and, and yet he's in the sources of time and space. Um, heaven is, is not a place in the ordinary sense. It is the source of all place. It's the source of time and of space. And so we can aspire to reach heaven, to move from our littleness, from our nastiness, from our bad temper, from whatever it may be, and move forward. Um, sometimes we get pretty fed up with ourselves and we think, if, if you're someone who goes regularly to confession, I mean, I'm, I heard confessions regularly. Uh, I still hear them. I mean, I heard them in our parish in Newcastle. And, you know, you'd say, you'd say to yourself, ah, oh, yes, I recognize that voice. I know what, exactly what they're going to say. <laughs> because, um, you know, people would seem to have the same problems that they, they said week after, not week after week necessarily, but month after month, whatever it was. Um, and they may have felt stuck. I always try to encourage them to believe they're not stuck because Jesus has risen, Jesus has ascended, and we are able to move. We can aspire to be different, to be the change which we long for. That's a Gandhi expression, be the change that you long for, um, or something like that. And so we, we believe that the ascension is something that allows us to aspire to something greater, and that is my final point about it. It's an assertion, it's an assurance, and it's an aspiration. And we move on with Jesus. Alleluia. Alleluia. Quadruple A. <laughs> a, 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 A. a yes. <laughs> Shall we have another piece of music? I think I'm going to play this one that... Uh, Father Simon actually suggested that we play this one. It's Shine, Jesus, Shine. Oh, jolly good. Jolly good. <laughs> that was the final hymn at St. Lawrence's when I was there on uh, some day recently. Uh, I think Saturday Saturday evening. It's, yeah. It was Father Simon from St. Lawrence's who suggested I play this tonight. <laughs> so here we go. Shine, this land with the 
What a song to finish on. (laughs) Father Colin, it's been a real education for me and for our listeners. Uh, A real uh, treat to dive so deeper into this, into the understanding of this special feast day. So I'm very grateful for, for you to be with us tonight. Well, I'm very grateful to be asked and to, to be with you, Lucia. It's uh, uh, one of the high, high spots of my week. Ah, oh, <laughs> well, you know, you're always welcome. And I'll be very happy to have you back on Diving Deeper because, like I said, it's been a real, it's a real treat. It's a real education. I've learned a lot. And, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been great. Thank you, Father. Yes. Yeah. So we have to end, though. Unfortunately, so I would be grateful if you could pray for our listeners. I'll just quote first a a verse from one of Charles Wesley's other hymns, one I mentioned at the beginning, that begins, Love's Redeeming Work is Done. And it relates very much to the third point I made about aspiration. Soar we now where Christ has led. Soar, S-O-A-R, so soaring up into the sky. So we now where Christ has led, following our exalted head, made like him, like him we rise, ours the cross, the grave, the skies. Our death becomes like his death. And the Venerable Bede, my favorite Northeastern saint, says, I implore you, good Jesus, that as in your mercy you have given me to drink in with delight the words of your knowledge, so of your loving kindness you will also grant me one day to come to you, the fountain of all wisdom, and to stand forever before your face. Amen. And a blessing, again, uh, same old blessing that I always um, pull out on these occasions. (laughs) the Aaron's blessing for the people of Israel. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Father Conan, may God bless you too. God bless, bless, Lucia. It's lovely to see you. To share with you. Lovely to see you too. What a a lovely... Lovely time we've had on Diving Deeper today. This was a Radio Maria podcast. If you enjoyed it, do please click like and subscribe on your podcast provider or leave us a review. Every bit of feedback helps increase our visibility and allows us to reach more people with the message of Christ's saving truth. And if you don't already, you can listen to Radio Maria live either online or on DAB in selected regions of the UK. We'd love for you to call in live and be part of the conversation. See our website radiomariaengland.uk for more details and a full schedule of programmes. And do please consider making a donation so that we can keep making more programmes like this. We are completely dependent upon the generosity of our listeners.